0: We love you, Tian. Welcome back. All right. Okay, guys, are you ready for the power of the word to come and work through us, Roland? So, if you can come up to the front. And uh, have you got your seatbelts on? Pray that God will multiply. Hundred times what Roland put in this morning for the message, and uh, that there'll be fruit from it. So, Roland.
1: All those that are perfect, stand up. Ah, no one stood up. Okay, all those that are got one thing wrong. Okay. Yeah, it depends whether you're in Christ or not. Why don't you, I know some of you haven't had a chance to say hello to some of you. Why don't you jump up quickly? Somebody you haven't had a chance to say hello to, go and say hello to them quickly. Yay, let's all go home now. Now, we, now let's go home. <laughs> There's some new faces here that I don't know. Wonderful to have you with us today. If you, if you come along to our meetings and you've got an inferiority complex, by the time that you leave, it'll be gone. It's importation that takes place. Hey, I couldn't believe it when my wife said, oh, pray. I rolled over, sweat pouring from my brows, because the proteas are going to win, and I got my hands on it. <laughs> So I bowled the devil out. And you, know, you, you know what makes me so confident in God is that we don't have to be this major player. And God will come. And he will do things. It's amazing. The people that God chooses. I was just looking at the worship group this morning and I was thinking, Wow. In the natural, there's not much going for them. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. Da- Dale Carnegie. Yes. <laughs> you want to throw the mark down? <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, guys, we are blessed with a seriously good worship group I don't know if you think so but I certainly do and as they've come back from holiday I can just see There's like we're ready for action and we I could see the ones that weren't up and playing today they were like just give me my turn now I'll show you so this morning it's it's really strange on what I felt God uh Give me to share on, because when, when I came, uh, our prayer uh, time before, and I want to encourage you if, you, if you don't come, to come. We started half past eight. Um, just confirmed what I, what I was feeling in God. And so it might be a, a subject that you've heard many times before, but honestly, I want you to, to listen carefully, because God gripped my attention with this, and I've been saved 38 years plus. I 39 years uh, 39 in April how many years we married 39 in July so then I got saved just before we got married fortunately for Patty course, who knows what would have happened because boy she's a fireball and I don't know if I would have given in so easily if I wasn't saved So we're going to get there, but I'm going to be speaking about our quiet moments in God. If we want to be with Jesus, we have to make ourselves quiet. If we want to become like Jesus, we have to make ourselves quiet. And if we want to do what Jesus did. We have to make ourselves quiet. And I, when when I got saved, there were no cell phones. The TV had just hit the land. It wasn't too long <laughs> before that. I think I was in standard eight when, uh, so that was 1976. Uh, I think when TV started, so, and there were no series there. There was no Netflix. Um, so today, in today's world, it's so much harder to be quiet. I, I, I watch Patty. When I have a, a break after lunchtime and I sit down and do nothing, she wants to play a game on her on her phone. Says that's what relaxes me, but you know what? That that's what we are getting caught up in. I'm not picking on you, babes. You you're perfect in all your ways. <laughs> but technology makes it very hard to be quiet. When when we first planted the church in in uh, Nelspret, there was no cell phones. There was no internet. There was you used a No, we didn't even use that we got to Benoni first. You used the phone. You phoned people and spoke to them over the phone. When we got to Nail we went to dial-up modems like 33. Because in Nail we had been on fax machines. Sorry, babes. Everyone knows how old you are now. But you know what? These days, our phone that we carry in our pocket, like carries the whole world there. You can open it up, look at what the news is saying. You can uh, see what the latest update is. You can see what's happening in the in the different uh, sports scores. You can, uh, there's just so much. You can scan the headlines. What's going on? What What is South Africa now doing with COVID? You can just Prices to check. Prices to compare. We've become so technology-driven. You guys learn quicker. quiet. I'm watching you. If you've got your phone, I'm going to see you. And don't tell me you're taking notes. That, that's the old. I'm taking notes on my phone. We're going to make it compulsory to bring a book and take notes in this church. Check it, Andre. Look at that. You change phones and you lose all your stuff. Whoop. <laughs> but you know what the problem is? When we've got a need, we don't go to God and be quiet we go to our phone where's the cheapest that you know what are you are you listening is God telling you to do that for a start is God saying you can do that how are you going to know if you're not getting quiet too many people make too many decisions these days without even going to God We're waiting for a disaster when we do that. Isaiah 30 and verse 15. I've got a slightly different translation. It doesn't matter. Watch that one. In quietness... And in trust shall be your strength. In quietness and in trust. It's the ESV. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. You know what? Even what Bible I use, you need to go before God and say, Should I use this? Because I want to tell you, some of the later Bibles are moving away from the truth of God. I've always used the NIV. But the latest version, since 1984 onwards, they've started to be gender-orientated. So there's no men or women, there's persons. And unfortunately, in the Bible, when God speaks of sons, it actually means something to be a son. And so in quietness and in trust, in trust shall be your strength. If you don't get quiet before God, where do you get your strength? And I'm not talking about in the car on the way to work with a CD on. Yeah, that's great. That is good. But that's not the quiet I'm talking about. The quiet I'm talking about is you get up half an hour earlier. Oh, but I wake up half past five. So what? Get up at five. Go to bed half an hour earlier. You get up. You come before God. You don't have to read. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do nothing. You just sit there and say, Lord, I'm here. And make sure that you're here. Make sure that you are there. Your mind isn't over there or on your phone or whatever. Make sure this, this half an hour I'm giving to you, Lord. And after about 10 minutes, you might feel, hey, go and read that scripture. But get yourself quiet before in the old days in the churches, they used to call it center yourself. Center yourself. Get yourself aligned with God. So you get strength from those, from those times with God. I don't know about you, but when I've rushed ahead and done things and I've uh, done this and I've done that and I haven't asked God, that's when I end up in a place that's insecure. That there is no strength. That there are things happening that I don't think should be happening in my life. So if I, wanna, if I said to you this morning, if, if you have stress and distraction in your life, how often do you get quiet? I just had this thing. Don't speak about quiet time. Just speak about how often do you get quiet? A verb. How often do you get quiet? You might think, oh, yeah, but you haven't got children. Hey, guys, I've got three sons. They have since grown up and left the house. They know what it was to get quiet. I had a devotional with them every morning until they turned 16. Then I told them to go and have their own devotional. And the, the younger ones stayed. But we had a devotional in the mornings. We sat. We spoke. I've got them to take the devotionals. And to do that, you need to get quiet before God. What does God do with quiet? What does God do with quiet? What kind of, of quietness uh, produces strength? Not all quietness produces strength. Sometimes we we sell our TVs, we give away our phones, we move out to the countryside, but we are as weak as we were before. It says, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Quietness becomes strength only when our stillness says to us, I need you, Lord. This morning, just thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you who you are to me. How often do we just remember to to thank God for who he is in our life? Sometimes we just carry on with our lives. And you know what? Yes, you are saved and you're going to go to heaven, but you're going to be weak. When Luke, what did you do over here? Cracked a rib when or you, when you couldn't train, what did you do? He tore his leg thing and he couldn't train. Now, his job is personal trainer, but he had to lay in bed. Let me tell you during that time, he was weak. When he got out of that bed, he was weak. But God is not talking about the physical, God's talking about the spiritual. Last week I spoke about be still, Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, this this still trusting quietness defies self-reliance. It doesn't allow you to become reliant on your own abilities and your own strength. Uh, uh, when we are quiet, our eyes are open to the bigness of God, the awesomeness of God, and the smallness of us. When we're rushing around, we forget those things. When we quiet ourselves before God, and I think, "Whoa, oh, oh Lord, you just said, let there be light. <laughs> and there was light. What was there before there was light? Thought about that. But it says there was darkness and light. So what was there before light? There was nothing. God spoke it into being. We, we come with all these scientific things about this is what God did, how he did it. Let me tell you, God said we need a universe, took all the stars, so all over the place. And we give them numbers now. We can't even call them by name. He says he knows them by name. He is God, we are not. He knows all, we know little. He is strong, we are weak. This morning, I spent all week preparing this, and this morning as I sat down just to read it through, I thought, I can't do this Lord without you. I started to get that anxious feeling in my stomach. But then I just heard him say, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's not what you do, not what you say. It's what I do and what I say to people today. For us to say something true and beautiful about God, what Scripture wants to say, something true and beautiful about God, it first says something true and devastating about us. Our quietness says, without Him you can do nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. Our refusal to be quiet on the hand says, I can do a whole lot of stuff on my own. I don't need you. I'm not asking you to be ridiculous, but I had a friend once, and he used to head up at that stage what was TMT for for New Covenant Ministries. And... uh, One day he went and stood before the. Stood, before he stood in front of his cupboard, and he was looking at the clothes, and he said, "Lord, which clothes should I wear today?" And he heard nothing. He said, "Lord, please, what clothes should I wear today?" And he says he heard this like booming voice. It wasn't in the physical, but in his spirit. It said. I'm your father, not your mother. So you know what? God's given us a brain. Make sure that it's directed by God. It says God strengthens the quiet with his strength because quietness turns to weakness and neediness into worship. Don't, don't you find that? When I come in front of God, uh, I, I just feel like, oh, I'm so helpless, Lord. And then you begin to feel worship for the Lord welling up inside you. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Can you say this morning, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution. I don't know if I could someone gives me a hard time i think like let me just get lane's number out of my pocket i'm going to take care of this when i was young I, i was a seriously aggressive person but the lord is really people say to patty oh roland's a real teddy bear she says he used to be a grizzly But you know what? Beginning to wait on God and knowing your weaknesses. And everything in you is weak and everything in him is strong. We often say, oh, we know your your strengths. Let me tell you, your only strength is in Christ. But you know what happens? If you carry on, we're going to read Isaiah 30 and verse 15. It says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness in trust shall be your strength. And then the end part of this thing says, But you were unwilling. Speaking to the nation of Israel, he says, But you were unwilling. Quietness would have made them strong. And the Assyrians were coming to crush them. And how do God's people respond they're unwilling to hear God they're unwilling to become quiet and so in verse 1 and 2 it says our stubborn children declares the Lord who carry out a plan but not mine and who make an alliance but not of my spirit and that they may add sin to sin who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction can you believe it They were going back to Egypt for help. They were the guys that terrorized them for years, squashed them down. Yo, can you feel it? Watch the exit signs, guys. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? That one's not working, only these two. So even after having watched him deliver them on so many occasions, they still took his plan for them and they cast it aside. They said, we'll go to Egypt. We'll get help. They will stop the Assyrians. But let me tell you, if you carry on the story, you realize that they did not stop the Assyrians. One of the stories there is about the king of Israel. They, They capture Israel and they take this hook, and they stick it through his mouth up like, like you do with a fish. And they pulled him off it. Why would they refuse the sovereign help of God? It's because they thought they could do it in their own ability. Guys, as soon as you start to go to God about something, don't allow every voice to influence what you're feeling God has first of all put you in a congregation so you, what you're feeling in God you come to the leadership and you say hey, what, about, what do you feel about this because that's why we are leaders is to help you guys make the right decisions the consequences of avoiding quiet when you refuse to help God and listen to God and do what He wants you to do, it, it results in painful consequences. It really does. And sometimes you'll even think, oh, I've got away with it. You don't get away with it. And it's not the devil, it's God. So often when things go wrong, oh, the devil. No, no, no. Throughout Scripture, it talks about the fact that God opens the way for the destroyer or the devil. He opens the way. If he doesn't open the way, it can't happen. Even with Job, it says he was the most righteous man on the face of the earth, but God opened the way for the devil to go to him, to speak to him. God says in verse 1, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan but not mine, and who make an alliance but not of my spirit, and they may add sin to sin. The more we refuse the strength of God, the more we open ourselves to temptation. I found that in my life. Unfortunately, I've I've made one or two problems in my life. (laughs) I love motor cars. and so I don't even want to try and count the amount of cars that I've had in my life since we've been married, but it's been a lot, and so when I decided, hey, I'm tired of this car, I'm going to get another car, then it didn't matter what Patty said, it didn't matter what God said, I was going to get a new car, well, not brand new, but I was going to get a new car, and so... I would just make it happen. And that's why I I eventually got to a place in my life where I just said, Hey, Lord, I will not buy another car. Another car. It is a weakness of mine. And so Patty buys the cars now. And I'm going to have to speak to her because she's buying Audi TTs and all sorts of stuff. (laughs) No, it wasn't me, but... you. Not new, no, that's for sure. If it was new, we'd be millionaires. (laughs) Quiet keeps us close to God. You know what, guys? When people come up to me and they ask me a question, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not going to give them the answer. I'm going to say, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray about this. Because, yes, my first thing is to answer them because you always want to look like this wealth of knowledge. My first thing is just, on but you know what, if I give them the wrong answer, I'm actually responsible to what they do with that answer. And so, I often will say to, when people come to me, I'll say listen, I'll pray about it, I'll get back to you. And i make sure that I do pray about it and I do get back to them. It's no good saying you're going to do that and you don't do it. Like, I'll just tell them I'm going to pray about it and hope they go away. No. A scarcity of quiet pushes him to the edges of our hearts, making room for the devil to come and plant stuff. When he's on the edges of our life, as we've said, we've got a garden that God says we can play in. But when we find ourselves on the edges around the thing there, he's going to be in the garden doing what he wants to do to get us over the boundary lines. You know what happens too, and I've, I've seen this in my life and I've seen it in other people's life too. Their refusal, Israel's refusal to be quiet before God made them vulnerable to irrational fear. Because it says, because they fought, uh, Isaiah 13, verse 17, it says, because they fought in their own strength, the Lord says, a thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall f- flee. So, one person will chase a thousand, five people will chase the whole nation. Those fears, the threats of a fear, those are the things... We haven't got Assyria coming. We've got the devil trying to plant things into our life. And suddenly that thing begins to terrify us. And all we need to do is actually go to the Lord. Say, Lord, quieten yourself. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've had such bad panic attacks. I didn't know what to do with myself. Eventually, I actually had to get medication. To help with those panic attacks, I've since got away from doing that, but there was a stage when I had to. I was in such anxiety, I couldn't even go to a quiet place. I used to get Patty to come sit next to me and rub my back and speak to me. If you've never had that, you don't want to ever have it. It is terrifying. So one of those fears can do that to you. Now imagine if you've got five of them. It says it can chase the whole nation. Who knows that Christians think that panic attacks are demons? Who knows this stuff that sometimes Christians find themselves in depression? No, that's demonic. No, it's not we've got a brain that's got to work properly and so we need help sometimes same as you if you've got sugar diabetes you need help with your blood control your sugar control the same thing with depression i think i was one of the first people to actually start saying in christian circles speaking about depression because i went through it so badly in my life and the thing that i felt god say to me when i was going through it i said to him lord do not let this be for nothing. I said, use it to help others. And Patty and I have been able to help people. It makes me (laughs) want to start crying because I know the the pain that people go through. My heart breaks for people like that. But you know what? Spiritually, you end up running away even when no one's chasing you. You lose sleep when there's nothing to worry about. I'm not talking about what I've just spoken about. You lay in bed at night. And let me tell you, this is how it starts. You start Your, your mind, uh, it's called an unquiet mind. So you're, you can't calm your mind down. You lose sleep when there's nothing to actually worry about. When, when I've when I first started with this stuff, I was up and I was leading a church in Benoni. We had a shopping center that we owned. And so there was quite a lot of finance stuff that had to happen. And Patty was my bookkeeper, fortunately. Because I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd say to Patty, I need the balance sheet now. We are going under. Oh, there she went. But she got clever eventually. She would just keep it together all the time. said, yeah, what, well, look. No, man, this is not right. We're not doing this well. We never went under once. <laughs> it's amazing. We actually paid that sense built a new building. We actually did everything that God wanted us to do. You know what, when, right when you're about to to experience a breakthrough, it says here to Israel, you'll despair and give up. Just as you're on the verge of pushing through, that's when you give up. Guys, can I, can I say one thing to you? That is the reason we are in this thing together. We are in this thing together. We've got to help each other. Maybe you like, oh, I'm not going to take No. You are here so that we can help you. You are here so you can help us. We're in this thing together. Community, fellowship, that's what it's about. Not just me, but all of us. It's pe- I watch people's faces when I, when I speak about depression and bipolar and all those things. Their faces start to change. think, oh, I don't know if I can come here to this congregation. I'm I'm saying, I'm not, I don't, but you see their faces. Oh, does that really happen? Is that not a demon? You know what? I have seen demons in people that are in that place. But ah, when I first, and this, because of the way that I thought back then, uh, we had a guy called Mark Altruism. He was Ronald Bonker's right-hand man. And so he came to our house, and, and I, I was busy going through depression. I said to him, hey, Mark, you need to pray for me, please. We need to get this demon out now. I need to get on with my life. So he says, okay. And he said, in the name of Jesus, and his wife, and Patty, and they're all going for it. And it was such a hot day. Eventually, we all like the sweat is pouring down like this. So after about three and a half hours, I tell you, I've got to give it to him. He, three and a half hours at least. He says to me, Roland, I don't think this is a demon. <laughs> and I, I was actually disappointed. Because you know what? A demon comes out and the problem's gone. What I had had to be worked through. So if there are demons, we'll give it a bash. But if there's no demons, we'll help you work through it. In verse 13, it says, those who forsake God's word, God's help, God's way, invite sudden ruin. Sudden ruin. I used to always have this picture. I I wanted someone to paint it for me, but I never, ever got someone to do it. It was with this damn wall that was breaking, and the water was coming through, and it was full of people that were coming through this damn wall. And that, for me, is now and it happens God can do that in your life you can break through right now but you were unwilling verse 16 Even in verse 18, you can go and read. While we refuse to wait for Him, God waits to be gracious to us. You know what? He doesn't want to punish us. He, he wants to, to bless us in spite of where we find ourselves. I'm always amazed by the fact that we live by grace. Yeah, it's talking about a gracious God in the Old Testament where they mainly knew the Lord, not Grace. And so, yeah, God is saying, I want to be gracious. What does gracious mean? It means that you have done nothing to earn your salvation. I did everything on the cross. All you have to do is surrender your life to me. You know what? God's waiting for us to ask for help. That's why we need those times of quiet. Because you know what? Sometimes I think I'm fine. But as soon as I sit before God and I just start to quieten my mind, I realize there are things that I need to be asking God. There are things where I need God's help. I want to ask you today. How do you make your decisions? Keep their thoughts in mind. How do you? make decisions Exodus 12:13 God says to the Israelites I want you to kill a lamb I want you to paint the doorposts and the lintel with blood and then I will pass over your house and not kill your firstborn. That's the first instance of actually breaking of bread to come. The blood covering us. Then it goes on in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24. It says, when he had given thanks, it's amazing this morning Donnie spoke about giving thanks. He broke it, the bread, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, back there, in Egypt already, the blood of Christ symbolically was being put in place. He says, and the, in that instance there, it wasn't they didn't get together and just have a little nip and a sip. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says you proclaim the death of the Lord. And what happens in the death of the Lord? What happened for the Israelites? Victory. They came out of Egypt because of what happened. Today, God gives us the opportunity to do the same. And as, as we sit before him and we break bread. I need my head mark back. And then like this. So this morning, we're actually proclaiming. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross. But guys, what you need to remember is he didn't stay there on the cross. He was resurrected. And now sits at the right hand of the Father. So today what we do is a, is a acknowledgement of what Jesus did. And we proclaim this happened. But it's in a place of victory, not in a place of. Oh no, this is what we have to do. So this morning, I wonder if you could just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. See, it's in this place that we make decisions. Where we are aware of what Jesus has done for us. Where we are aware of his victory for us and so we we celebrate that this morning the God sake commemorate oh, that sounds like a dead word to me we celebrate what Jesus did to me for me and for you so this morning before you partake if there are anything, any issues in your life that you need to deal with, if there are relationships that need sorting out, maybe it's with your mom or your dad, I'll ask you when you partake, you must partake, then go home and make sure that relationships gets restored. Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken. Just take a moment to be thinking. Quiet. Don't, don't get irritated. Don't be in a rush. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for choosing me, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that the word that has been spoken, the, the worship songs that have come, that they would cut to our heart, Lord. Cut to our hearts. Cut away the flesh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, Lord. As we partake, we just remember that you died for us on the cross, but that you were resurrected as well, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you shed your blood for us, that we could live under a new covenant, a covenant of grace, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus. If there's anyone here this morning... that needs prayer for healing, if there's anyone that would like us to pray with them for whatever it is. If you're sitting out this morning and you never ever actually made a decision that you would surrender your life to Jesus Christ, don't miss this opportunity. It's a wonderful moment for Jesus to come into your life. I wonder when we finished here, if you guys could just come to the front. We want to pray for you. Not only the elders, but the elders and their wives, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are more than welcome at the front Yeah, And then, okay, let's do that first. Is there anyone that wants prayer? Stick your hand up. Come, Penny.
0: Just want to, if you may be sitting here wondering, oh, should I go, should I, should I not go? Is when God shares a word, He actually wants a response because that's something of, I'm stepping out in faith because I know God is my source, He's my provider and He's my healer. So I want to encourage you, if you, that's you, you, feel like, oh, should I go? Come. Because His word says that He blesses obedience. So if you're obedient to get up to come for prayer, God bless obedience. And if you're faith, faithful, then, then please come to the front. We would love to pray, pray with you. If some of the ladies could just come up and can help pray for, and pray, and then the men for the men, that'll be great.